I haven't talked about Leafs in a while. I've basically been on Leafs Saez. You know why? Because it really hasn't been much. I could have done Martin Jones. I was away during the Matt Murray uh, LTIR move. Mm-hmm. It's been wedding news. Look at Mitch Marner's wedding. Look at Mitch Marner do the gritty at his wedding. I didn't really have a lot of thoughts on that. But yeah. now we've accumulated enough time where I think a few enough things have sort of happened, little tiny things have collected where it's sort of time to check in. I'm, I texted James Myrtle yesterday and I realized that we hadn't done a podcast together in actually well over a month. We've got Michael Bunting tomorrow on the show. So I'm excited to speak with him about his time in Toronto and joining Carolina and well, yeah, everything. Well, there's lots of things I'm going to talk Bunting about, but yeah, this is basically a check-in with uh, James Myrtle, senior managing editor at the athletic. What's up brother. Long time. No talk. Yeah, you texted me yesterday and you said, should we do a show? And I said, as long as you don't expect me to have any big breaking news, then yeah, let's do a show. So here we go. I don't like that you put it that way. Break some news. Now now I want you to break something. <laughs> you can't just come on here and try to set the bar low like that. Get out of here. What are you doing? Break some news. What What is There's the Matthews happening. number going to be exactly? There's nothing happening. Yeah. Like no one's doing any, everyone's, everyone's either, every member of the Maple Leafs, whether it's a player or the front office is, is either at a wedding or traveling to a different wedding at the moment. Mm, yeah, that's nice. I'm glad that they have this time. Okay, you know what? I'll put it this way then, though, because we basically had it. I, I know there's no big breaking news, and there's a lot of little pieces that I do want to talk to you about some topics, but I am going to start with that, which is, man, we hit free agency, and it was every day that goes by without William Nylander signing extension is closer to a trade, and Matthew's deal is basically on the doorstep. And then neither of them happened. And now we are in that summer period where, okay, cool. You're all taking time off. I understand it. You need downtime. People need a break from one another. There's weddings. There's social gatherings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all fine. That's all well and good. Go play your golf. Go have fun. But when does the urgency start to tick up here? And I guess which which one of those two deals do you think is more urgent right now? It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if the Matthews one is is close already and it's something that they can get done in early September when people start showing up. You know, Matthews will be into Toronto relatively soon and the guys will start skating before training camp. And in that period, I could see them getting something done. And that's, again, that's not me breaking news or anything. I just think that that's probably the timetable there. The Nylander one... If it feels like that one's going to drag into the season for sure, which is which is interesting. Kind of ugly. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where you stand. I mean, there's going to be a circus around. If neither one of them is signed when training camp starts, it's going to be a little bit of a circus going on around both guys. But um, I don't know where you stand on the idea of the the own rental with Neilander. Like, should they? Hate it. You know, his contract. Yeah, his contract's pretty reasonable. Like, do you just do you just walk him to the doorstep and? I think I think that would have been more reasonable had they not done that with so many other players, right? Mm-hmm. And and kind of had it accumulate to the point where you start looking at what left and the value that you could have gotten back. And it's just to me, if if he ends up being an own rental, he's he's walking for nothing. Like I don't see a scenario where you're going to enter the trade deadline. And I've tried to kind of kick that around, maybe even with you, or maybe I was talking about with Versteeg, where you go, maybe the ideal scenario is you go into the season, you see how it plays out. And then you approach the deadline thinking, hey, is he someone you flip somewhere? And, and I went, how, how would that ever work? How does a Nylander trade in the middle of the year? You're moving one of, a piece. That's what I mean. But, one but, of your best maybe players. Maybe you could move him in. 
in November or something like that. You would have to do it early in the season if that's yeah. the way it's going to go. Yeah. I just, I, I can't, if, if I'm Brad True Living, I can't have uh, another Johnny Goudreau situation. Like, the, the only part of the Kachuk trade that really doesn't hold up is the extension that they gave, you know, when, when they were like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're getting Huberto in here. I remember everybody at the time was fawning over that deal for Calgary. Everybody was fawning over Calgary's offseason. They went, oh, my God, they lost Goudreau, they lost Kachuk, but they brought in Nazem Kadri and they made this trade for a guy. I'm pretty sure, yeah, Huberto had more points the year before, right? He was coming off of this incredible season, awful playoffs. And everyone from nerds to eye test guys – loves Mackenzie Weger, right? Like he's just like one of those universally beloved mm-hmm. guys that even though <laughs> I think, you know, I, he's, he seems good. I, I don't watch a ton of them. I've seen him play, but I've never been like, oh my God, look at this dude, right? Like he never had a run for me like even Montour had last year in the postseason where I was just kind of blown away by a guy and just re- extremely impressed, but everyone seems to love him. So fine. So they make this deal. Everybody loves it. But the extension is what is kind of biting them in the ass. And the fact that Kachuk just had this incredible playoff run. For me, I think that's going to level out for Calgary a little bit. Of course, it's way better that they ended up with getting value for Kachuk, moving him before he would have walked for nothing rather than the Goudreau thing. Like, I know salary cap space is important, but you're not going to be able to fill a player that is of his caliber for the kind of money that they're going to want to sign him to a deal on. I don't even know who the hell that would be available. So... To me, it's just like they have no choice. They've got to figure out a way to to get that that trade done. But if I can kind of deviate from that for a second, that okay, like Nathan McKinnon signed last year in September. So I needed that for perspective on the Matthews thing. I, I think it's kind of important perspective to keep is that there isn't really as much urgency in general as I think, uh, yeah, in most places as there is here in Toronto. But it does kind of bother me a little bit and, and I was thinking about this when I wanted to talk to you about it, that in a place where contracts have been such an issue and where there had been so much smoke the year prior about what Matthew's destination was going to be, what the contract was going to look like, whether or not he wanted to be the highest paid player in the NHL by a, a wide margin on a short-term deal, that they weren't able to just kind of realize, hey, the, the fan base needs a win here. The player understands the yeah, what the fan base is like right now and that they couldn't just sort of get that thing settled. Do you, do you think that that stuff kind of matters more here? Like the optics and the perception of having that done earlier rather than later would have actually served this franchise any tangible benefit? And the well, player. I think, so. I think early September is fine. Like I don't think anybody's... This is one of those things that feels like a big deal now and yeah. won't in, if it's done in three weeks, right? So sure. I, I think I, everyone involved knows that it's different here. They know that he gets to day one of camp. Like I remember being at training camp the year that that Marner hadn't signed and he wasn't there, and the, the camp was in Newfoundland, and he, you know, they had the they got the deal done, and he flew in for the next day, and it was a big deal. It was the number one story in training camp, and if Matthews isn't signed, it's and Nate Nealander isn't signed, it's going to be the talking point. It's going to be what Trey Living's asked about. It's going to be what the coaches asked about. It's going to be what the players are going to be asked about. Um. So, you know, and I really believe on the part of the Leafs and the Matthews camp that they're cognizant of that and they'd like to avoid it and they'd like to get something done. So, or they'd like to be able to get to that first day of camp and say, we're really close and, you know, it's it's going to happen. So, but I, and I think that that's, that's what's there, but Nylander, I just don't see a way that they're going to be able to break the stalemate. So, and it also feels really tough to make a trade that you win there with him going into the last year and also with Neilander asking for what he's asking for. Mm. 
I would just say to the you have to win the trade crowd that that's not going to be possible in terms of no winning it in the immediate future. But you winning it in the long run, like you, you have to you have to be able to put more bullets in the gun. And and I just think if all of a sudden he leaves for nothing and you enter next off season and you've lost one of the biggest pieces that you have, you're entering the final year of that Tavares deal. You've got Matthews on what we don't think is going to be some long-term deal. And Marner is set to hit free agency too, where all of a sudden he's going to have a bunch of leverage saying, well, you're going to lose two guys. Like you're going to lose two of us in two years. I, I hate that scenario. I just hate that scenario more than losing a trade, balancing out your roster a little bit, giving it a little bit more flexibility and making sure that, yeah, you're not so pot committed or having even just, you know, there's something even more sour about the idea of, you run this big four gambit and you say, this is the way that this thing is going to be built around these four forwards. And then it materializes into, well, you lost one of them for nothing. And then you have another guy on an expensive short-term deal, another guy about to walk, another guy basically going into, you know, the twilight years of his career. And these contracts ended up costing you the likes of, you know, the Zach Hyman's that you just already let walk in free agency. Yeah. I mean, there's a scenario where this is, looks like it starts to wind down, right? Like yeah. if, you know, if Neilander walks or you make a bad trade and you don't get nearly value for him, I mean, you look at how many players, how few players they have signed. Yeah. You know, there, there's hardly anyone with a deal. You look two years into the future, it's a blank slate. That's nothing. What do, what do they have like Yarncroc and <laughs> I think Yarncroc has like three more years or yeah. something. Yarncroc and, and Riley, that's the, the foundational Ryan pieces. Reeves. Yeah, Ryan Reeves shockingly Ryan Reeves a part of the 2025 Three team. more years. Yeah. Like there's, there's not much there once you get into, so what is this team? You know, if, you know, you look at how many of the pieces on the blue line aren't signed and, you know, it's, there's a lot of big time questions. So they're relatively set for this year, but the, the year after it, it gets really, really interesting. And, you know, they, they're going to be, we had a, there was a piece at the athletic a couple of days ago, just looking at which contenders are going to have a lot of cap space for 2024. Cause there's gonna be a lot of interesting free agents that are going to be available that year. And among the contenders, the Leafs have at the moment, the most cap space in 2024. So a year from now, uh, obviously some of that's going to get eaten up by Matthews and potentially even Nylander. Uh, but even with that, they're going to have a ton of cap space, but they're also going to have these acres of open space on the roster. So it's going to be, they're going to be able to pivot into something different if they want to. I just, I don't know. It's, it's going to be pretty hard to do. Yeah. Okay. But the, even with the 2024 free agent class, right? Like, okay, let's even just sort of think about it and go through it a little bit. One of them is Stamkos, right? He probably resigns. Um, you know, I is yeah. I think Pedersen's going to be uh, an RFA, yes. right? So yeah, that's not. Uh, happening. No, I think he's. I think I think Pedersen. I mean, how old is he? He's, he's getting awfully close to UFA at this okay, point. Okay, so maybe he's UFA. Yeah, I can't he'll be, remember he'll which be one U- he is. Twenty-seven is the oldest you can be and be a UFA. You go UFA at twenty-seven, no matter what. So okay. yeah, Pedersen. Pedersen's in the Matthews boat, right? Yeah. Like where Vancouver needs to get him done, or yeah. he's going to be walking here. Yeah, and I, I was going to say that. Uh, then it's like I think Darlene doesn't have a contract extension. That's the other big one. Mm-hmm. Hellebuck, like 
Okay, so what, you're going to sign a 32-year-old goaltender? You're not getting Darlene. He's clearly going to re-sign in Buffalo, barring some kind of a disaster there. Like, I, I just, I don't see a lot of these guys moving. And then all of a sudden, you know who the big free agents end up being? Your guys, like <laughs> Nylander and Bertuzzi. So it's like your ability to reshuffle the roster, it, it's not exactly yep. as obvious as you think. So I, I don't really love the idea of trying to build your team through free agency. I don't think anybody does, especially given that Toronto tried to do that for how long that like that's their entire post salary cap uh, what choice are they going to have though like if they can't it's it's an interesting situation because it it does feel like in some ways neilander's got leverage there because of that right because like you know what are you going to do if so i just don't know if there's a compromise number that's going to work for both sides there because it feels like they're they're really far apart yeah and and i don't know if the neilander camp's going to consider the eighth year as something that he can't get on the open market that, you know, if they just look at the cap hit, I don't think they can get it done. But if, if they're willing to take a lower cap hit to get that eighth year, then maybe there's somewhere that they, they can land that makes sense. No, here's, here's why Nylander is going to be proven correct. You know, if he was to get traded today and this is, this is where they, he just has, to me, this is just the outsider's guessing perspective, right? Nylander has all the leverage against the Leafs and this sucks for them because he's looking at it going, all right, you've got all these guys on one-year deals, right? You've got Matthews who's entering a contract extension with us, and I'm guessing that Matthew still wants Nylander around. Like, he doesn't view it as, oh, yeah, go get, you know, uh, 85 cents on the dollar for William Nylander as he's trying to win a Stanley Cup in a short window here, and he thinks, oh, yeah, no, that's good by the franchise. Like, I I don't think that he necessarily cares about uh, the long-term future of the franchise when there's rumors that he even looked at three- and four-year deals, right? That those that a four-year deal is very much realistically on the table. He's like, yeah, I want to win now. I'm in the prime of my career. I, I want to take what's in front of me. I want to win right now. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi on a one-year deal. Max Domi on a one-year deal. Um, I think TJ Brody is expiring, right? Your goaltender is expiring. Yep. Um, yep. You know, you got Klingberg now on a one-year deal. Who else is there? Um, that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's it. Unless you count like the the like little signings, like the Dylan Gam- Gam- is it Gambrell? Gambrell? I don't even I haven't learned his name yet. Uh, <laughs> I know you guys wrote this whole thing on him the other day on the athletic. It was like, guys, you better look out for this guy. He's being basic. I was like, all right, let's settle down. Uh, the, they were like, he's the sniper, or the assassin. I was like, this seems like strong language, but okay. Um, but either way, um, <laughs> either way. I think that you're kind of really pot committed to this one year team and it can get really disastrous really quickly here if it doesn't work out. But yeah, for Nylander, he's going, okay, try to trade me, try to trade me. And they're like, well, one, there's not a place that necessarily wants to get into a contract negotiation with you right now either. Cause like you trade for Nylander, you gotta be willing to give him what he wants. He's got the leverage the second he walks into the door. So he's going, how many places want to trade for me? Give up assets and then give me that contract. And the Leafs are looking at it going, oof, not many. The, the trades are probably not in abundance for you, even though the caliber of player is great. And, this, and the cap hit for this season is awesome too. I don't think anybody wants to rent William Nylander before the season starts or then like risk and see how it goes either. That's, that's not a GM's dream. And then he looks no. at it and goes, but when I do hit free agency a year from now, if I play another season with the Leafs, he's a guy who stays healthy. He's a guy who produces points. He's a guy who's produced goals. He's an incredible athlete. What are the odds that he's not going to be able to hit the open market next year as the Darlene's and the you know Bertuzzi's fall off the board and get exactly what he wants right now? Like, he knows it's there. There's no reason for him to compromise other than his desire to be with the Toronto Maple Leafs and make this core work. But this core hasn't worked, and the fan base is pulling their hair out, 
And, you know, the market pressure has never been higher. And so for a guy like him who seems to be pretty reserved and relaxed and not... I'm not saying he's afraid of that, but I don't think that he's just, you know, loving the fire of this. Like, I don't think that he's liked being a whipping boy. Who the hell would? He's looking at it and going, I'm in a perfect spot. Like, I'm going to get to play in the place that I like. I'll ride out my contract. I just watched Pasternak, my good buddy, do the exact same thing. And I can either make that decision later in the year if things aren't quite going my way and risk that. Or I can hit free agency and pick my spot for the dollar amount I want. Like, I just, I don't see any reason when we're talking about the worlds apart why he's not going to be proven right here. And it's just like, I think the Leafs probably would be considering giving him that money if they weren't already in a point where they just already capitulated to every single star on every single number for the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Right. And then the Matthews one's probably going to look like a capitulation as well. Oh, yeah. right? Like it, yeah. certainly in, in the term, right? Because it's not going to be, I mean, to, to play devil's advocate on the Nylander side, the, the risk for them is, like let's say that what's on that what they can get on the table from the Leafs is nine million on the eight years. So there's seventy two million dollars. Is he going to be able to get that in free agency? Is he going to be able to get seventy two million? Because someone's going to have to put more than ten on a seven year deal in as a free as a UFA. James, I think they will because the cap is going to go up, and like we're going to like that's the thing that we keep missing with these deals when we're looking at the Timo Meyer stuff, right? Is that his contract starts next year. The guys that are going to fall a year after, like Nylander being at the very tippity top of the free agent class, and that first time that the cap takes that bit of a spike, I can't imagine that there's not, you know, at least three or four teams that look at Nylander and say, why, why wouldn't we be, why wouldn't we be doing this? Why wouldn't we be giving this guy, you know, a six-year, seven-year deal that, you know, does hit the $10 million and then gets him at least close to the number the Leafs were offering him at nine. And then he has the ability to, you know, close out his career, still making money. Maybe he even goes, like, I don't know, he goes home, he makes some money there. Like, it's just, it's it's not as though to me, it's going to be impossible for him to get even close to that money. I, I just don't think it's that big of a risk. Yeah, I probably if he's willing to go anywhere. I know yeah. he likes it here. Like, I know he wants to be here. Sure. So it's a great city. You're going to, we're going to have to, We'll we'll see what where the balance with that lies and how close they can get because you know all all of the all of the rumors around this are they're way apart like more than a million AAV yep like it's, it's a, which is not even close at this point so they're left with a lot of not great decisions and the one thing you didn't mention with the, the leverage being in in Neilander's side is he's got the no trade clause too he's got yeah. a ten team no exactly. trade so you know and he's got a really really smart agent in Lewis Gross, who's the, the Goudreau agent and has had a lot of clients that have moved around and done well for themselves. And um, they could have engineered that no trade clause to be, you know, any possible destination where he might be traded, just put all those names on there and it makes it really difficult for them to move him. Yeah. And, you know, just, I just did a quick Google search here while we were talking, cause you mentioned the Leafs. Leafs have the second most cap space in 2024, but again, this is now with it's I wouldn't get too excited. That's like with Matthews off the books and Bertuzzi and Nylander and Dobie. Like the whole team is off the books. Hooray! You know you don't have anybody signed. Um, you know who's the number one team? Um, Chicago. Yeah, that was that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, they, you don't they think did a that bunch Chicago of wacky contracts this year, and then yeah, you don't think Chicago would look at William Nylander and the position that they're in a year into Bedard and go, yeah, um, we'll take them. We'll pay you. Well, and and he he grew up there. I mean, he played in some minor hockey there and stuff when his yeah. dad was playing there. So, I mean, so I'm sure he wouldn't mind going there. 
Yeah, and I was going to say Anaheim is four, and, and I know that that's not exactly, you know, we think, oh, wow, traditional hockey market winning. It's like they're also going to be looking to make, there's going to be start as much pressure as there can be on and the Anaheim Ducks, whatever that looks like. I would assume that some of that pressure is there given where they're going to be at with their, you know, young and player development and wanting to take a step forward and the fact that they're going to have $44 million on the books. And it's an attractive place. Like, we know players have enjoyed playing in Anaheim. It, they don't like playing in the Honda Center or whatever where in front of, you know, 12,000 people for playoff games. But they like wearing the flip-flopsy arena. And, and I could actually see Nylander fitting just fine into the flip-flop arena lifestyle, um, playing amongst the young a bunch of younger players uh, with flair and offensive talent and him being sort of at the forefront of that. Like I, I think teams are going to be willing to line up for this guy. He's going to end up being fine. It just sucks because, you know, we say this is the thing you said it. I know he wants to play here. Guys keep saying that no one has shown it. No one has shown it outside of those vets, right? Like no one has shown it out of the outside of the Giordano's and the Spezza's like those guys aside, Nobody's shown it yet. And that's what I was saying about the Matthews thing where it's like, hey, man, even if you were going to sign this contract, which we all know is going to look very player friendly because it's not going to be a long term deal. He's not signing the McKinnon eight year contract right in September. The I'm locking up with this franchise for my entire prime contract. He's going to do the hedge bet deal at more money than McKinnon and arguably or likely a higher cap percentage than McKinnon is going to get. And I just thought, you know, it would have at least been nice to have that deal done so that fans don't have to talk about it and dread about it the entire offseason. It just shows another disconnect kind of from players and fan base, which I think has really frustrated a lot of people anyway. Um, yeah, we can move off this unless there's anything else you want to say about it. No, I think that, that yeah. I think that lays it out pretty good yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's I wonder if they they. I don't know if this was a Dubas thing or a Shanahan thing, if they set it up for 2024 to be like that, to have that clean slate. I, like, I don't know if, I don't know if that was intended. It feels like it wouldn't just happen by accident, yeah. but it's, it's interesting just how few pieces are, are signed like this, you know, talk about cheering for laundry. Cause like the faces in the guys in the Jersey, it could be a ton of them that are different next year. Dude, this is the thing that scares me the most about the Leafs is you could make and and a narratively, I understand you could make the flip side of, Hey, it's not the it's it's a team that's desperate because they want to keep the group together. It's like I don't really get that sense. If that was the case, then we'd be talking about you know contracts that were a little bit short. This is even more incentive for some of these guys to try and fight for every dollar that they're worth because they're looking at it and going, "Well, you guys have a ton of cap space, and who cares if the dudes I've never played with before are going to be here or not?" <laughs> you know, like I'm not necessarily well, going to cry. It just to me the scary thing is what I've already said, which is the mercenary team where there's just so many guys. Did you see the I know you don't really follow basketball, but did did you see what happened with the Raptors last year? Like do you kind of follow that a little bit? Uh, I yeah, a little bit and just that it was chaotic. Yeah. yeah, and and chemistry to me matters far 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 more in basketball than it does in hockey. Um but yeah, it was kind of a mercenary team where everyone, there was a bunch of different guys playing for contracts. There was a rookie that or a, that was stepped into a sophomore season that was looking to get his. And there was basically some infighting amongst the team over who had what role. And yeah, they didn't have very good team chemistry and, and they didn't really get along on the court. And some of the guys didn't get along very well off the court. And I, I wonder about that a little bit with the Leafs. Not so much like, you know, again, hockey is not as individualistic. It doesn't require the same amount of, you know, sharing, I think, when it comes to the play. Uh, I'm mostly going to be fine. But, yeah, I don't, 
I don't love the setup. I can't imagine that it would be intentional or that they ever would have thought that this would be the position. I got to say, this is just about like, yeah, one playoff win and all your guys coming off the books over the next two seasons. Hard to believe that was like some kind of grandiose design. Okay. You did mention though, and I, I wrote this down from your latest piece, which again is up at the athletic. It's really good. It's basically a look at the Leafs cap sheet um, and a couple of the stories that maybe we'll touch on right after, but you wrote quote, it feels like there's another shoe to drop with this roster end quote. And that's because even after moving Muzzin and Murray to LTIR, they're 2.7 or $2.07 million over the cap. So yeah. What do you think is the most likely outcome here with regards to how they're going to figure that out or how Brandon Pridham makes that work? Well, I mean, the boring answer is they can just waive some guys. Like, they could waive Connor Timmons, and they could just send down some waiver guys who don't require waivers, like Nick Robertson and um, who's the other four? Holmberg doesn't need waivers. Yeah. Nyes doesn't need waivers. Nyes is like, a way. There's a way that they can get – I mean, maybe they could send them down for a day or two or whatever if if they need to just to get compliant, and there's a – you know um, – you know, they could they could put your friend Gambrell on on waivers. They like that would be strange. That would be strange after signing him and then having the assassin piece written, like the Dylan the assassin <laughs> Gambrell fourth line six minutes a night guy. I, I think the assassin thing was like he's like a quiet guy who surprises you. Not that, know, not that he's just, like some forty goal guy. I know. Like, I'm teasing because that's how I read it when I opened it up. I was like the assassin. No, I, and I read it. And they were like well, he's smart. I was like okay. <laughs> Like, all right, good. I'm actually going to try to get him on now because I went, all right, he's smart. Maybe he'll be fun to have on the show. That's, uh, yeah. Well, they need another center, right? Yeah. Like, look at their center depth. Like, that's why he exists. Like, he he's probably the best candidate to be the fourth-line center. I don't know why. We, Gam Brown's getting a lot of airtime. I know, he really this is. is. when you know I, it's a mid-August Leafs show. Is it? I can't wait to see him play for the very first time. <laughs> I can't right, let's wait get to back see. on track. Let's yeah, get back on track. Yeah, 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 well, the Senators fans say he's yeah. he's boring and he's got no offense, yeah. and you know he like he's going to play eight minutes a night, and no one's going to notice him, and he'll probably be on waivers by November. That's bad so. because I call that the Jared Sullinger test, where you ask the other fan base that just had him what you think about yeah. him, and if they don't care at all that he left, it's usually a horrific sign. Like those usually don't really work out too well. But anyways, back on track. They can either waive some guys. And Barry, yeah, they, uh, yeah, no one's going to miss Connor. They can, go, they can go with a 20 man roster and they're under the cap, like 2.07. That's three league minimum contracts and you're under, right? Mm-hmm. So, and they've done that in the past, the last couple of years where the, I mean, last, the last two years, I think last year they, they came out of camp $4 under the cap. Unreal. You know, so, so, and they were actually over because if you recall, Lilgren was on LTIR to start the year mm-hmm. because he had that hernia surgery in camp. So they actually went into the year 1.4 million over the cap, and everyone was like, "What are they going to do?" And then Muzzin fell apart four games into the year, put him on LTI, and all of a sudden he got some money to work with. So that's the way it played out last year. And you know, there's almost always an injury in camp. So uh, you know, uh, what I've learned over the last three or four years, especially with Brandon Pridham as the capologist, is that it's really not worth sweating the details of how they're going to get under because someone's probably going to get hurt. And if they don't, you just wave someone like Connor Timmons and you're okay. Mm -hmm. That's the boring answer. The more exciting answer is if this, if there is another shooter drop, if this roster isn't complete, there's going to have to be some sort of a trade that happens. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that, that says to me that the roster isn't complete is I don't know how you put together a lineup that makes a lot of sense with what they've got. No, like, like I don't, I don't understand what, the third and the fourth line are going to look like the, the D pairs are, are, are tough to figure out. Um, the fourth like line the you wrote in your piece is a nightmare. Well, what, what's the version of the fourth line that isn't a nightmare? Yeah. 
True. Because it feels like with the centers they have. <laughs> hey, good, good point by you. Good with, point with by the, you. With the centers that they have, Camp looks like he has to be your third line center. Yeah, he has to. And if he's your if he's your third line center, like, are you putting Nyes there? Are you playing him with Domi? Like, so if Camp's your third line center, you probably want that to be a defensive line. You want it to be a line you can play against other teams' top lines. You're probably not going to trust the Tavares line to get to play against other teams' top lines. You're not going to trust the disaster of the fourth line. So it's going to have to be that third line. So would you put him with Yarncroc and I don't know Lafferty or something? Yeah, and maybe. then you're. But then what, do you, then what is your fourth line? Like, well, I think then, then your you've... fourth line is like a weird... You know, the more I think about it, the more it's like... I didn't hate the David Camp contract as much as other people did. I just think like he's a fine player. He stays in shape. He stays healthy. He doesn't take penalties. He wins draws. He's reliable. But you're right. Just like from a team fit standpoint, if they were going to do Domi, and maybe they didn't know they were going to do Domi at that point in free agency and those two things... But it's like those two things just like they, they don't fit together, right? And this is what I'm talking about with like the mercenary team where it starts to get a little bit ugly too. Because all of a sudden if you're asking Max Domi or Tyler Bertuzzi, and I don't think that they want Bertuzzi bumped down or whatever, but let's just say there's a scenario where they think, okay, let's try to balance up the lines and bump Nyes up and have Bertuzzi play and try to carry his own line, right? Like what they used to do with Hyman. He's going, I'm a UFA. I don't want to be down here. Yeah. Like I want to be with Austin Matthews collecting points. And you guys promised Which me I'm going to be Matthews. where he's going to be hundred percent. Yeah. I'm just saying it's not exactly like it, it, it's going to be again inmates running the asylum. Like what power does the coach have? He was not going to be able to go up to the podium and ever say anything to the media. Cause now he's terrified of that. He's already on, you know, the one year deal. He knows he's like in the firing squad and he can't move a lot of these pieces around. Cause they don't really fit anywhere else. Like, well, what do you do with Reeves? Well, that's well, you, that's the other thing. Is like you, you I, can't yeah. like if you if you play. So I think I think the best case scenario with what they've got is you probably put Domi at center potentially on like a really sheltered third line and try mm-hmm. and make like an offensive group there that can produce. But then how do you make? I don't know. And then then you've got Reeves and Camp together on a checking line on your. I don't know. So I don't but again, know. Again, now you're asking Max Domi to lose ice time on a deal that he's like I agreed to come here on a player friendly deal. Yeah, but he'll be on the power play, and like if there's an injury, he'll move up. And I, I think him establishing himself as a center who can put up whatever 40, 45 points is going to have value for him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's what I'm but, saying about all of a sudden it doesn't make as much sense paying Camp that money, right? Because if he's your third line center, so what? Camp is your fourth line guy, and then who's playing on that fourth line? Are you going to have him and Cali Yarncroc combining for nearly $5 million on a fourth line? Like you're yeah. going to play Ryan Reeves? as a defensive guy with David Kampf and Bobby McMahon. Honestly, I don't get it. Like yeah. a lot of years you see what they do in the off season. It's like, this all makes sense. Like you can see what line combinations are looking at. And this year it's like, I, I don't know. So either, either I'm wrong and it does make sense and it's going to work mm-hmm. or, or they don't, you know, or, or they're wrong and it's going to be a mess or they're still intending to do more. There's yeah. still something that's going to happen here. So, and I think all of those are plausible options. See, I like the I like the other shoe to drop piece of this, and this even kind of lends still into my, I would say, like, listen, I, I know this is going to get spent like he wants Nylander traded or whatever. I like, I, I, I think that there's from a talent standpoint and a must win now this season. I think that Nylander staying is your best option. I don't like having all the eggs in one basket, so I still remain kind of hopeful that they'll figure out some kind of a deal for him that can help with some of their roster balance. And maybe, yeah, there's a player or two that go out with him that can make this thing make a little bit more sense. Because like, even when we're talking about the forward group, 
I, I still don't like the D pairings, James. Like I, I don't, I don't like the way that the D pairings fit together. And I keep looking at that and going, so wait, um, you are Mark Giordano aging out or looking like he did in the playoffs away from playing someone that you wrote down as Maxime Lajoie, who again, no, I don't know him from Adam. Do not know Maxime Lajoie from Adam or Connor Timmons, who, yeah, is, as I've dubbed him, he's, he's, uh, actually, you can't really say this now after the Alex Galchenyuk incident this off season, but like hockey wise, I view him as the defensive Alex Galchenyuk where you're like, yeah, I, I don't trust you. <laughs> you know, there might be some decent offensive numbers during a regular season when you're sheltered, but yeah, you're going to be the guy that puts the pancake up the middle and breaks out the other team for a game winning goal. Um, so yeah, I, I think that everything I look at with this is just, yes, other shoe to drop theory feels real. I just don't know who it involves. Like every time I look at it, I'm like the only guy that sort of makes sense that would have some value if it's not Nylander who you would be moving off of that another team might want is Lilligren. Like he's the name I keep coming back to. Like you just signed Klingberg. Like, are you going to trade TJ Brody now? Like, how do you make that work? Just, isn't it him? Well, I think that another shoe to drop in, again, in in the exciting version is probably some combination of Nylander and maybe another piece, right? Like, I think that that's That's probably what makes the most sense. That's the sexiest one. Bringing back a defenseman and then there's another defenseman going out and, And again, like we're just speculating. There's no, it's it's August 15th. There's no, there's not a lot of trade talk happening right now, but. I hope you get aggregated just because you've tried to couch this so much, just because you're like, I don't have news and I, it's August. I hope someone just completely blasts you out of context now, just because you keep, you've tried so hard not to get that. I just, you're right. So to go back to what you're talking about with the deep pairs, it doesn't. It doesn't really fit. Like there aren't. What you. I think so often what you want when you're blue line is you have the ability to mix and match and move people around. They're and if there's that. injuries, you can't do it. No. You can't play Klingberg with Riley. No. You can't really play. You're probably not going to play Logren with Riley. Nope. You'd like to lower Giordano's minutes. You didn't like you know? seeing Brody with McCabe as a shutdown pairing last year. So why is it going to no. work now? And McCabe isn't gonna, really going to work on his offside. And nope. then, you know, Brody often. He, he, you know, likes playing on that. I don't know. It's just like, there's just not, I didn't like the Klingberg signing at all. And I think that that's going to be a real problem because he's just not what they needed. It it really feels like bringing in Tyson Berry again. Mm. And they spent 4.15 on the wrong kind of player for what they needed. Like mm-hmm. they, they needed a top four D that gave them a different element that could play with Riley or, or play with McCabe. You know, they kind of needed like another Brody. Mm-hmm. and that just wasn't available for them in free agency. So they kind of, you know, it, it was interesting that, that Radko Gudis came out and said that the Leafs had made him an offer. I, I bet you that was plan number one, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to come to Toronto, so they ended up with, you know, and Shen went to Nashville and signed for more than they wanted to spend. Yeah. They had to go down the list, and they ended up at Klingberg, but it just, again, it doesn't fit. It's like trying to play Reeves with with camp or trying to play Domi with camp. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where a bunch of the blue lines at right now. Yeah. And I think that they were done with Justin Hall. I'm not sure what even the negotiations would look like with him, but, and, and I know he got a three year deal versus a one year deal. And they, I, I thought Detroit sort of overpaid, not like drastically again, that, that, that contract will slot in once the cap spikes again, like over the next, the final two years of his deal. I don't think anybody will think what was Hall again? 2.7. No, no, no. He cracked three. He got, I yeah. think he got yeah. three well, years, 10 him. point something. 
I okay. it, like that's just off the top of my head though, Joe. It was a uh, three point four. Okay, yeah, three. So for yeah, Justin quite Hall. a bit for Justin Hall, honestly. But I will tell you that if it would have been a one year deal, one for one, I I think I would rather had Justin Hall at three point four than Klingberg at four point what six seven. Uh, Klingberg was 4.15. Uh, yeah, maybe not. That's kind of splitting, but either way. Yeah, um, you're right. It just, you, you don't know what Klingberg's going to be. Like, he's been yeah, bad defensively for the last two or three years. Like, I, I remember writing, like, coming up on the deadline, like, should the Leafs look at Klingberg? And then you look at the underlings, and it's like, what's going on with this guy? Like, he's yeah. falling off a cliff. And Anaheim that was, two was years a nightmare, ago. though, last year. Yeah. Where it was like, you know, no, he, but yeah, the stars even here, before, too. though. Yeah, the stars the, here. The year before, it was like, what happened to him? And, like, the star, there's a reason that stars didn't end up giving them the contract that he wanted, mm-hmm. you know, he, there's a cautionary tale. Like that guy, he had all kinds of money on the table on a long extension and yeah. bet on himself and, and rolled snake eyes. Yeah. Um, I am a believer in betting on pedigree and guys who have been at the very tippity top before, especially when there's not term. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm still kind of in more of an optimistic mode about the, what he can be for this team and how they can fit him in. It's just, yeah, it's, it's actually more so, yeah, the other parts of it is just like who he fits with, and and that's why I still yeah. kind of circle. I'm like, to me, there's three guys that could end up being in a trade of consequence, and that's Brody, that's uh, Lilligren, and that's Nylander. And then everyone else, I look at the roster and I go, I, I don't see a trade unless there's some kind of thing like you sort of outlined in the piece where they go, we're actually just trying to clear a little bit of cap space, so we're trading Sam Lafferty and we're moving him for someone. But then again, like you're you're leaving your forward group very thin and you're really relying on a guy like Dylan Gambrell, the assassin to show up and yeah, actually do his thing for the season. Um, okay. Last thing before you go, is just like the goaltending stuff. Okay. So, uh, this is gonna be a bit more of a rapid fire. Um, are we sure that the Matt Murray story is over? Like, you know, you outlined that the league still has to sign off on the paperwork and it has always been a little conspicuous that this was someone who was ready to play in a playoff game and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple months later was ruled out for an entire season. He has a clear incentive as to do it, as to why he would want to do it, which is to make sure that he gets the most money and to, yeah, take a year off and potentially try to rejuvenate his career after, you know, healing for a full season or whatever, even though he hasn't played like at all basically the last couple of years. But yeah, he gets a $2.6 million incentive to do it rather than getting bought out. Um, but yes, have we heard the last of this given the league needs that documentation and needs to clear it? I talked to the league and they seem to think it was a nothing burger. So okay. I, I wouldn't, I don't think they were kind of like, why are you asking about this sort of? So, um, you know, we've seen all kinds of LTIR situations and Some sketchy ones. the thing that, that executives and agents have told me in the past is like it's you can prove a guy that's had that many injuries like you can find one where you're going like he really shouldn't be playing right now and he needs to sit mm-hmm. so you know i mean there's it so no i i think that the decision was made uh jointly that murray's like mm-hmm. it benefits him and he's he's uh you know i don't feel like i'm ready to go Mm-hmm. And the team and the Leafs, I, I, I'm sure the Leafs were like, we're going to buy you out if you're healthy. And if you're not healthy, you're going to LTIR. Yeah, exactly. Those are the two, those are the two paths, you know, which one makes the most sense. And that's what they settled on. And the interesting thing with Matt Murray is he's young enough that he might be able to sit out a year and resurrect some kind of career on the other side. Mm-hmm. Cause most of the time when this happens, it's a Jake Muzzin situation where the it's guy's completely over. 33 and it's over. Yeah. 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 So, but I think from the league perspective, I don't think there's going to be any kind of the only the only wild card would be if some other teams are pointing to this and complaining. You know, maybe Ottawa complains and 
you know, Ottawa would have benefited if there, the buyout happened. It would have helped their cap situation more than, than where they're at now. So maybe they complain. I don't know. Yeah, that's sort of what I was wondering. But I, I will say this. if In terms of being able to healthy scratch guys, and I know that you mentioned that this is more at the end of your career, but if uh, Joffrey Loophole can get healthy scratched, uh, or sorry, have the LTIR for the end of his career as he goes like snowboarding, you know, <laughs> and then they're like, yeah. no, 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 his back, it's his back, it's different. Him dropping 20 feet off of a cliff on a snowboard and landing on powder is very different than being on the ice with your back. The back, like they have ways of circumventing this. And I remember talking to yes. somebody about this behind the scenes about his. It's like, yeah, the they, it's very easy for them to kind of skate around certain yeah ways of making they, they can make someone more hurt than they are let's just put it that way um samsonov long-term potential to you is what after having to go through arbitration um well again and that one i talked to some people involved and they said that the arbitration case wasn't that wasn't that fiery and there was nothing there that is going to linger long term between the sides so i mean the bigger thing is what kind of a season does he have like if he puts up a monster season all of a sudden the expectation is going to be he's going to want big money so th- that's kind of the, the where the leaves have landed with this and you know, they save a little bit of, by going to arbitration, they save a little, like if they would have tried to do a two or a three year deal, it would have been another seven, eight, nine hundred grand AAV. So that's what they save. And they don't commit to someone that they're not sure what he is. Um, but if he's the number one all year and he wins 30 plus games and has a nine, 10 plus save percentage, you know, the number is going to be a five plus on a with term. And the Leafs are going to have to decide if they want to commit to that or not. Mm. But I think we're into the era of goaltending in the in the NHL where you don't commit and yeah. you're you're fine with the mercenary scenario. 100%. You know, yeah. No, you're fine yeah. with the mercenary scenario. I just think um, this was a guy that was that like the Capitals walked away from him and he signs in Toronto and he kind of liked to hear seem to get along with the team and then yeah again this is just sort of team mercenary where you go all right you know you don't have that long-term contract if things if you start to struggle a little bit like if you don't have an incredible season you know then you're net with Joe Wall who's pretty unproven and I you know I have high hopes for but it seems like a lot of pressure to have him be uh like that guy opened the season he was supposed to be the number two behind Matt Murray right like I just, I view them like you said, like running backs and relief pitchers where you go, you know, year to year, it's really hard to predict what a guy is going to be. And if this doesn't work out, it's really tough for them. I'm I'm totally fine with him being on a one-year contract. I think that you should always be doing that mm-hmm. essentially. Like my biggest issue with Mrazic was never that they paid Mrazic. It was that they gave him three years. And I went, what the hell are you doing? By the way, he's a free agent next year then. So maybe he's, he makes a return. <laughs> the The prodigal son returns. But either way, I just... I just well, want to kind of make sure that the guy who, you know, yeah. Uh, all this is why you he's, go he's get all the right. veteran number three. All Mentally. this is why, you know, I know people were dunking on the Martin Jones signing, but. I don't know why. He's your third goalie. He's going to have to clear waivers. Yeah, third goalie. And, you know, not making anything. And But I, the Leafs, with who they've got as their top two, they needed a number three. And they needed a veteran number three. And they were talking to Brian Elliott as an option. Like someone who's got some experience who, sure. in a pinch, can come up and play. 10, 15 games for you. And, you know, if Joseph Wall is, or, or Samsonov are injured or com- really, really struggle, you need to make a move. And then if, if your three isn't good enough, then you need to make a trade at some point during the season. And, but I think that that's a, it's funny, you know, we've talked about all the, all three positions forward D goal. It feels like they're the most set in goal, even though they've got such an inexperienced cheap tandem. Cause I don't know what's happening with some of the other positions. Mm. James, 
I think the check-in was worth it. Thanks for doing it, buddy. Okay, thanks. Talk to you later, pal. There he goes, James Myrtle, Senior Managing Editor at The Athletic.